Hi everybody and welcome back to the Two Girls One Book podcast. I am Hannah and I am joined by my lovely co-host Rhiannon. Hello. Hello. We're here today to run through some short stories with you. So the books that we've read separate from each other in the last few weeks. Quick five minutes or so on our brief thoughts and feelings. Rhiannon is going to kick us off with a, a fresh baby brand new book, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the first one I'm going to start with is Really Good Actually by Monica Heisey. And I had seen this quite a lot because uh, I think quite a lot of bookstagrammers had like gone to the um, fourth uh, state book launch thingy yeah um and it had made me want to read it because um this author was one of the screen like screenwriters for um schitt's creek which i love um and is probably one of the best tv shows i've watched in quite a long time um and yeah that was pretty much Um, All I needed to go and get this, like, as soon as it was out. And I really enjoyed it. Um, It is a book about a surprisingly young divorcee. Um, So Maggie is uh, in her late 20s and has been married for less than two years, I think it is. Yes, her, her marriage has ended 608 days after it started. So a fairly swift marriage. Um, I mean, I to be honest, I've known a few people with swifter ones, but whatever. Yeah, over um, here. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Got a few friends in that position. Um, so, yeah, 608 days seems like pretty good, good innings to me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's winning. <laughs> How bad is that? Um, but anyway, yeah, so it's basically about uh, the demise of her short-lived marriage. Um, that isn't to say that she... So the rela- the relationship had been quite long, like they got together quite a few years before. Um, it was just the marriage that... Mm-hmm. And that does, see- that does seem to happen. Yes. Um, that, that's definitely uh, been a trend that I've noticed. Um, but... Uh, it's basically the fallout of all of that and how she gets back back to knowing who she is after being in a relationship for so long but then failing ultimately so quickly yeah um so yeah it was it was an interesting one it was it was funny um and which I was hoping it would be um, although I must say, I think I was expecting it to be funnier. Okay. Um, I didn't really like Maggie, which I think might have been why it wasn't like a five star read for me. Um, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel particularly an affinity to her. I don't know. Like, I. I liked that she was completely flawed. She really uh, annoyed a lot of her friends in the way that she, she, <laughs> in the way that she was in in the uh, di- during the divorce process. Um, I think I would have found her incredibly annoying had she been my friend. And I, 
I definitely saw my own attitude in some of her mates' attitudes right. um, towards her. Yeah, that, that stopped it being a five-star read for me because, yeah, I just didn't find her that relatable personally. Yeah. Um, but I I did enjoy her journey. I, I liked the sort of concept of the book and it was a lot more heartfelt, I think, than I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, I thought it was going to be a bit more laugh a minute, even though it's about divorce. um i thought it was gonna be like a really sarcastic take on it and uh, there is that as well but yeah it was it was good i definitely i do i do recommend it i think people will enjoy it for a easier read but it's not quite as light as i thought it was going to be does that make sense yeah i um i ordered it today Oh, did you? Yes. Okay. Nice. So I'm quite pleased that I ordered it before we recorded because I think sure. I'd have been a bit like, oh no, like, mm, is this for me? I mean, it may well be that it's absolutely for me and maybe she's exactly yeah. like I am. <laughs> in, I think she's probably more you, maybe she's more you than me. <laughs> right. Um, not in the annoying sense, Hannah, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> um, but I think she's probably a little bit more uh, emotionally wayward, shall we right. say. That's a nice yeah. way of saying dramatic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe, I ordered it. Maybe so, yeah. Because um, the signed special edition is on Waterstones on special offer at the moment. So I thought I can't not get it. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to read it. Um, I'm sure I will enjoy it. Like you said, yeah. for a nice easy read, I feel like that's... And I definitely will be able to relate because my marriage lasted, I think, five months. <laughs> like I was barely even into like triple digits <laughs> so well yeah she's my know. kind of gal yeah you win some you lose some um, <laughs> we wouldn't be here now if it hadn't <laughs> no exactly <laughs> exploded so dramatically <laughs> so we're all good okay well now i mean that's out of the way i think you've got a different change of tack now have you it is, yeah. I couldn't really see uh, what the tenuous link was between <laughs> between these. Um, so, yeah, the next the next one has been on my shelf for quite a long time, um, and it I think because it's a bit chunky, and also because I'd read a few reviews saying that it was confusing as hell. Um, so I I wanted to go into it like with a clear brain. January is the ideal time for that because I've got time for to absorb stuff yeah um so this is the seven deaths of evelyn hardcastle um by stuart turton which is kind of like um modern day agatha christie whodunit locked door right kind of vibe um and uh yes i agree with the the reviews that said it is confusing um you have to have your brain switched on for this one uh because Basically, the the main character, um, Aidan Bishop, uh, wakes up every day in the body of a different person within the house. So, like, within this game of Cluedo, if you will. Right. Um, and we, through, through his different experiences of the different characters, piece together um, what happened uh, leading up to the the death of Evelyn Hardcastle um so uh, that's why there's seven deaths because he inhabits 
um, all these different characters. So he sees the death right. in different in different ways. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of like it, it was weird. I, another sort of Groundhog Day type thing where we are constantly going back and like experiencing the same thing. I also read The Eternal Return of uh, Clara Hart this month, yeah. um, which I'm not going to discuss today, but um, another really good book, Groundhog Day style. Yeah. Um, and it's Groundhog Day day. <laughs> this, <laughs> yes. This week. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of a theme going on. There, There is at the beginning of the book a helpful little list of of characters which i did keep referring back to just to see how everything relates right because uh, it because of the amount of characters and the the days are sometimes split so like if he um falls asleep for whatever reason then he'll zip into a different character's body okay so the timeline isn't completely one after another right um so yeah it, it that's i think why it is maybe a smidge confusing um having said all that i did really enjoy it um i i haven't read a book like it and i enjoyed the kind of old school um big mansion setting and there were as a, was an array of very interesting characters that's for sure and it was really um it was cool to sort of inhabit each of each of them as well right um so yeah i i really enjoyed it i could imagine it being a cool knives out style movie right i think it would go down really well on the screen mm -hmm. um, and I think that would have probably made it a bit easier to follow in certain ways um, right. but because I love I love Knives Out as like, one of my favourite movies I watched yeah. Glass Onion um, this week and I enjoyed it but yes. not as much see I watched it and uh, my brain forgets things almost as soon as I've done with it like I mm. blink and it's gone so I really enjoyed Glass Onion I think maybe mm. because I couldn't really remember the first one I maybe should have watched them back to back sure. and then kind of reminded myself I was both great yeah but um yeah but yeah this was very much that kind of vibe that okay. I, I I think it would translate well right um but yeah I I'm glad that I finally got round to it and I'm glad that I did it when I had time to like process it and just sort of flick back and forth a little bit because I, I I think if I'd have been if my mind had been elsewhere then I would have struggled I think to yeah. focus on it quite as quite as much one of our insta pals um Rach commented today asking how I'd gotten on with it because um, I've not written a review on it yet and I, I do want to but um I said that I found it confusing. She was like, oh, thank goodness. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Um, so, yeah, I can see why why people find it hard to follow. Um, but I do think it's worth persevering with. So, okay. yeah. It sounds really interesting. I don't know why. I thought it was just like a bog standard murder mystery kind of thing. So No, but... it's quite an interesting concept for right. a murder mystery. Um, yeah. Okay. Liked it. I've got a... Uh... I, yeah, an interesting concept for a murder mystery next. 
Mine oh great! Was, Not a tenuous link. <laughs> no, this is that is the uh, the link Straight there up is <laughs> the um, the trees by Percival Everett, which was shortlisted for the Booker Prize last year, I think. Okay. Um, and I went into it entirely blind, not knowing anything about it. Just lo- it was on the Booker Prize list, so it should be great. Um, and it was. But it was very slow to start. And I think, had I not persevered with it, because I listened to it on Audible, so I'd used my Audible credit, I had nothing else to listen to, and I was like, I'm just going to finish this, I have to go through. And I loved it in the end. But I think... So, no major spoilers, but I feel like I have to explain the plot in order for people to want to read it, because it it is great. So we are... It's set in Money, Mississippi... In modern day, it's not in the past or anything, but they very quickly um, make it clear that Money, Mississippi is a deep south town that is kind of stuck a few centuries ago, particularly with regards to its um, race relations. Sure. Um, So it addresses racism pretty head on in your face and a little bit uncomfortable at times so one of the things that I was struggling with whilst I was listening was thinking oh what excerpt am I going to choose from this because there's a lot of problematic language used right from the off um right but it's done with a purpose so we meet this um dysfunctional white family living in this very small um impoverished town in Mississippi and they are almost caricatures from the from the off. Um, there's the mum is known as um, Hot Mama Yeller because she wears this yellow vest top and she talks to truckers on the radio. It's very very clearly a kind of over the top caricature of this family. Um, one of the members of this family ends up um, brutally murdered. And in the room, the locked room where his body is found is the body of a black man. And they take the two bodies to the morgue and the black man's body disappears. He shows up later on at another crime scene. So from the off, you're like, there's something not quite bog standard about this guy. Who is this man? He's showed up and disappeared and he's supposedly deceased, but not um so i was thoroughly confused at the beginning didn't have a clue what was going on why we were here who any of these people were and then the reference is made to emmett till who was a real life boy he was um lynched in the 1950s he was 14 years old and he was accused falsely of making suggestive comments to a white woman um in the town of money mississippi so we realise halfway through that there is this link to this historic thread. And that's when it started making sense to me that, oh, this is a um, satirical, surreal take on um, race relations, um, particularly the history of lynching within the United States. And it's so cleverly done that, I wish that the book had been described better before I read it because I just feel like people don't get that this is what it is. It's funny, it's dark, it's really thought-provoking. 
it reminded me, I've just spoken to Alex about it before we came to record, um, the Jordan Peele movies. So Get Out, yeah. those like really over the top horror comedies with sure. a race stand like slant on it. I think mm-hmm. so good. Um, just quite slow to start and to get into. Um, okay. There's some really great imagery, really important historical facts that are kind of popped in there. Um, and there's like a, it's, it kind of takes the cop double act thing. So there's these two cops that come in from the um, Bureau of Investigation to try to kind of take over the investigation. And they've got the comedy cop double act thing going on. So there's a lot of laugh out loud moments. Um, I thought it was thoroughly interesting take on a story which could have been just very kind of standard. Um, okay. I'd recommend cool. it. What I would say is that I listened to the audio book, which was great because it's read in a real Deep South accent, so that really puts you in place. But, the, which I don't know that I'd noticed before, but the way that it's written on the page probably doesn't sound so jarring, but there was so much of like, what do you think Jim said? Oh, I think this, Bob said. And it was like, Jim said, Bob said, she said, he said. And I was like, why is this like taking me out of this so much? But if you can get past that, read yeah. it, read it in print. Probably it wouldn't come across that way. But yeah, I thought it was great. And I It's when you notice something like that, you literally can't see anything yeah. else. Yeah. I um I mentioned it to Alex when it first started doing it, and I was like, this is like the best book that's been so annoying to listen to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but don't let that put you off. I think it's incredible. I think it's a really clever take. Um, it's quite overt. Like, he, it's not hidden away, the jokes that are made. The satire is right there at the surface. But well okay. worth a read. Um, there's a quote which um, one of the characters says in which she says she considers all police shootings to be lynchings. Like, the, the police killings of black people, she would consider as a lynching. Um, and I thought, whoa, right. yeah, that really hits home. And there's a page yeah. where it's all just names of people, real-life people who've been lynched. And it was like, obviously, listening to it, it goes on and on and on. And yeah. it's almost, the more it goes on, the more uncomfortable, but the more yeah. powerful it is. So, thoroughly recommend. Cool. Nice. I I don't think I've ever heard of it. I'm being honest. No. No. Huh. There you go. <laughs> okay. Um, so, my next two um, I read as uh, part of Japanuary. Um, so, it was January. I wanted to read some translated Japanese uh, fiction. So, I chose... Um, well, this one. this one I only finished the other day earthlings by sayaka murata and so i read convenience store woman last year last year i can't even remember how long ago it was last year (laughs) the year before all blends into one big reading year to me um and i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed the uh, well just the style of writing is very just almost an abrupt style i really liked that and so i thought i would try some of the uh, the, the other books and this was 
weird. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was going to be. I had read some reviews, so I... I knew that it wasn't quite as straightforward as convenience store woman. Um, as with uh, a lot of these Japanese um, books, there's kind of a, a a a larger message at play. So um, the, the the book centers around uh, the character Natsuki, who, um, as a child, believed she was an alien, basically. Um, and she, as she grows up, um, that belief doesn't really change. Um, it's a commentary on, uh, society and she basically, along with her husband, um, refers to the way that society functions in general as the factory that we're all going to work and we're all getting married and we're churning out kids and that's just... That's just what society is. That's what is expected of us. Right. And she doesn't. She doesn't want to adhere to to that structure. And she finds this husband who um, believes the same thing. Um, and she. So she. She's in this sort of asexual marriage that, and they're they're living a, a normal life on the face of it but worried that the factory is going to come and get them. Um, and that's basically what the book is about. Um, and it, it's it got some pretty hefty stuff in it. It's got, um, she like, she went through some stuff as a child, um, a pretty horrendous sexual assault at the hands of a teacher, um, which is pretty graphic, uh, there's quite a lot of graphic in this book. Um, there's uh, there's incest. There's um, a very healthy dose of cannibalism towards the end. Okay. Um, which is which is where it got like unbelievably weird. Like I was kind of like nodding along with it, um, and and uh, I I think I go- I got it. I got the point. Um, until until that end bit, <laughs> um, and I I'm not entirely sure what the message is because I I get it's a commentary on society, but I'm not entirely sure Natsuki d- doesn't exactly come across as the best person. Right. <laughs> um, so I I've kind of come away with it. I kept coming away from it thinking. Like that was wild. I don't know what I'm meant to have learnt, <laughs> but it sort of was m- madly excellent. Okay, I've, I've got no idea what the point was. Maybe that's the point. Maybe there wasn't a point. Maybe you were just supposed to enjoy it. Yeah, but I but I'm not sure. Enjoy it's it's not really an an enjoy one. I think <laughs> as well. It was just like a. Yeah, it's just like a, what the is going on? Yeah. Right. Um, it's definitely weirder than anything I would normally pick up, uh, but I kind of really enjoyed it. Enjoying, inverted commas. Right. So, yeah. 
I would love to know what you think of it. I mean, yeah, colour me intrigued when you said there was lots of cannibalism. I was like, yeah, okay, my kind of book. <laughs> yeah, and and it's, it, yeah, that kind of comes out of nowhere. I'm like, like the incest is almost like, yeah, yeah, fine, incest. And then, <laughs> and then cannibalism is like a, a weird, a, a weird turn of events. Right. Um, it's not, I don't think it's a spoiler because I think you've got to know about it because I, I wouldn't want anyone going in completely blind to, <laughs> because there are things that I think people would find incredibly disturbing. Um, but yes, it's weird and twisted and good, I think. <laughs> Sounds great. In my, in my opinion. Um, and I'm definitely going to read um, the it's Life Ceremony I think the sh- series of short stories by the same author um, so I'm going to get that next um, right because it's just absolutely crazy and I'm kind of here for it so um, <laughs> I tell you what my reading has definitely expanded because there is no way on earth I would have ever said something like that was good like two and a bit years ago so there you go i'm a bigger better person now (laughs) um so my next one um also part of japanuary um was my very first haruki murakami um which i've been meaning to get to for ages Mm -hmm. um and i chose norwegian wood um as my gateway uh because i believe this is kind of the most normal yeah it's yes um i i quite like the the weird and and wonderfulness of uh japanese literature but i very much enjoyed this i loved the writing yeah um so yeah i was fully immersed this was like my first i think i I finished this just into the new year Mm -hmm. um and yeah i absolutely loved it um it felt like a really beautiful immersive retrospective on uh, the protagonist's life um yeah set in set in tokyo in student in his student days um what's he called toru watanabe yes yep um and it's basically like his coming of age sort of love story type thing i don't really know it's just a bit of a a walk down memory lane for him right yeah and it's but it's just so beautifully written i was totally there um didn't particularly like any of the characters weirdly but i just loved how i just loved it how it was written yeah it was a definite five star and i um, kind of annoyed that I hadn't read any Murakami until that point. So, yeah, I can see what you're harping on about. <laughs> yeah, basically. I think this is probably my favourite Murakami. And it sure. may well have been the first one that I read as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's the 90... It's the whole thing. Like, the, the music as a trigger for a memory. Mm. The 1960s setting, like, the student yeah. protests, the understanding of the importance of like the the various characters at different points throughout his 
life and I was like oh yeah it just you're drawn into it like it's yeah and it yeah like you said it doesn't matter if you like them or you don't like them you want to know what the end of their story is yeah absolutely um Um, so it's it was it's definitely not going to be my last Murakami I've got um I've already got Kafka on the shore sat on my uh, Mm -hmm. shelf because I also bought that um pretty much at the same time I think um but yeah there's I mean there's a hell of a back catalogue that I need to get through so and they're all pretty chunky as well aren't they but yeah loved it there's so many I've, I've like tabbed so many pages I don't really <laughs> tab that much but I was just like yes yes I love that I love the way that's written yep yeah just like me nodding along being like ah oh, makes so much sense yeah just a brilliant way with words loved it yeah um my next book is I guess a, a Japanuary kind of. It's not translated Japanese fiction, but one of the um, central characters, there's a definite Japanese thread running through this book. Okay. So this was the Women's Prize for Fiction winner last year, The Book yes. of Form and Emptiness by Ruth Azeki, which, again, I went into kind of blind, just trusting the, the uh, panel of judges and going, must be good, because they chose it and they were right of course Um, (laughs) so where to begin with this book a lot of the book is told through the voice of the book which sounds mad and is a bit mad but works um so the main characters i would say um the main characters that are human beings are um annabelle o and her son benny o they very early on we learn that um, Annabelle's husband Kenji, who is a um, of he's Korean Japanese um, descent, she's Canadian, and he has died in a tragic accident, leaving Annabelle and Benny alone. And it's that kind of a formative moment of Benny's life. He's in his early teens, just at that point full of hormones, learning about himself and who he is. Um, And Annabelle has spent the last few years of her life as part of this very tight partnership that definitely um, fed from each other. She definitely relied on her husband for a lot and him likewise. They were quite a codependent relationship. So we meet them at this point where they've had this huge loss and they're trying to work out who they are and how they're going to deal with it. Um, So on that level, it's just a really nice story about a mother and son kind of going through that change at that time of their life. Then, add into that, that Benny um, begins to hear voices coming from the objects around him. So um, he will hear a noise, a voice from the table leg, the table leg which has kind of lived a history and has got a lot of stories within it and he starts to get really quite visceral feelings from the objects that are around him um sometimes quite violent feelings and they cause him to act in a way which the teachers and um, doctors that then speak to him don't really understand so i wasn't quite sure for a long time whether this was like a magic-y book (laughs) of magic things talking to him or if this is meant to be that he's struggling with some underlying mental health issue um and that is not necessarily ever made super clear so i won't spoil anything 
Um, at the same time, Annabelle's way of dealing with things is very much too hoard. So she's an archivist as her job, but she also keeps a lot of things within her life, things that have memories attached, things that she just can't bear to throw away because they might be needed one day. So there is this battle already between mum and son just of life and then this battle between her having a house full of things and him having a head full of voices um right. he seeks solace in the library and the kind of group of outsiders that that spend time there um and annabelle seeks solace in the writings of a zen buddhist monk who is okay. akin to um is it Marie Kondo, who's the tidying lady? Yeah. So the book, there's also like little excerpts through the book of this kind of idea of um, materialism and climate change and getting rid of things and how we're kind of choking the planet. So that's another thread mm -hmm. that's running through this. Um, it's, I know that sounds mental because I've just thrown a load of words, uh, words at things. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's genuinely an incredible book. The perspectives, like, it's very clear when it jumps from whose perspective to whose. Um, the book, when you read from the book's point of view, is dry and sarcastic and sometimes quite mean. He's talking to the characters and being a bit like, you're doing this wrong. Why are you doing this? This is what you should okay. be doing. So actually, weirdly, the book itself becomes, became my favourite character anyway. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of that kind of like I said, the kind of Japanese, the Buddhist Zen kind of idea of calm and tranquility and a balance with the world that we live in. Um, I thought it was really, really great. I, nice. I think I connected more with Annabelle because she was a little bit of a kind of chaotic mum character, which I do connect with, but equally every character within the book was written so brilliantly and I was rooting for all of them and wanted them all to win. And it was a well-deserving winner. The last little paragraph I listened to on my commute and physically got like shivers at the last, the end of it. I was like, whoa, okay, that's a weird feeling. But I almost, re I was really sad that it finished. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely great. Brilliant book. Um, absolutely wholeheartedly recommend it i think it would be like you said about um evelyn hardcastle that you need to be in a position where you can really concentrate yeah. on it because there's a lot of things going on but it's okay. worth the payout if you get to it nice it's been on my radar um i think i probably will try it at some stage yeah for sure sounds interesting yeah or if you've got like a long journey or something yeah. the audiobook's great so like okay. I did kind of snippets backwards and forwards and the audiobook is really, really good. Um, yeah. And it will get you really into... The narrator does... It's narrated by one person, but he does um, different kind of accents and voices. So you can very clearly tell whose perspective you're reading from. So yeah. it's really good. Okay. Nice. Yep. All right, then. Um, I've got two books left. Um, and this one is going to be my last fiction mm -hmm. book that I'm going to talk about. And this one, Hannah bought me um, on my birthday. 
Yeah, it's, um, maybe. Freckles by Cecilia Ahern. Uh, Cecilia Ahern. Um, and I've never read anything by her in my life. Um, so this was my first foray. Mm-hmm. And my mum had read it over Christmas and said that she really enjoyed it. So I was like, right, I'm going to read it then. <laughs> Can't have you reading anything um, before me. I'm the bookstagrammer. Oh, no, not, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> she, my mum my, my tends to pick things that I like as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's the story of Allegra Bird, who is... Um, she's a really interesting character. She's a, like a neurodiverse uh, character who we never get. It, it's never said, but it's very clear that both her and her dad are um, think about things in different ways to um, a lot of us. And I found her to be uh, an incredibly endearing character. I really liked her from the off. And it's basically a story about her sort of trying to find her place. Um, She is a traffic warden. She's in a job where she's... I don't want to say universally hated, but um, where it's maybe difficult to make a a good impression and make friends when you say that you're a traffic warden. Um, I have no beef with traffic wardens. Uh, just just to just to say but oh by the way the title freckles that's her um nickname from school she's a a freckly person right so there you go that's that's the title okay um and oh and she had like a weird self-harm thing um that she like cut cut between her freckles so she had like constellations scarred into her freckles yeah so that's a slightly weird thing that maybe is just worth sort of um raising because you know anyway yes so back to back to the present day uh (laughs) she is on a job where she comes across uh what can only be described as a a pillock with a stupid car who keeps getting tickets um and he's uh pretty mean to her at, at the start um um but basically what comes out of the the like conversation she has with him is that um you are uh, your personality is made up of the five people that are closest to you and this gets her thinking about who she has around her and who who her people are mm-hmm. uh, and the rest of the book is is exploring that um which i thought is a really it's a really interesting concept uh, and she's not a person with a lot of friends so she has to think outside of a box um and it's a bit of a sort of journey of discovery for her um in terms of her immediate family as well um and yeah basically what she what she wants from life and who who she deems important to mm-hmm. her um i really loved it i i i absolutely tore through it um i know that some people have said that this isn't their favorite um by by this author but i don't have anything to compare it with and i really really liked it um so yeah it was it was just a a very very nice book it was it was funny as well there were lots of like chuckle chuckle moments um and yeah pretty um 
emotive as well. So I really enjoyed it. Nice. I've not read anything by that author either. I just no. it was is that the one with the nice spotty hardcover? Mm, yeah. Yes, it's it's very pretty. Yes. So it's I picked it up book. just for aesthetic purposes for your birthday. And also underneath is yes. um like gold um spottiness as yeah. well. It's very it's it's gorgeous. But I really I really enjoyed the the innards of the book as well. <laughs> <laughs> if that's a thing. Oh, innards. it is now. Book that's innards. what I'm going to call it from now on. Yeah. Love the innards of that book. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. So, yeah, thumbs up from me. Okay, and there endeth the the fiction part of our Portion. podcast. Yep. Um, because my next book is... In fact, I think are we just on memoirs now? This is Memoir yeah, Corner. Yeah, we are, yeah. It is. Um, so my first memoir is an old memoir, but one that I've wanted to read for a long, long time. And it is Girl Interrupted by Susanna Kaysen. So I'd watched the movie of this when I was probably a bit too young, um, <laughs> given the content of it. Um, but it is the memoir of Susanna Kaysen, who was at the age of 18, um, hospitalised in a mental institution for what was later um, diagnosed as borderline personality disorder. Um, she was hospitalised in the 60s, which obviously the the kind of medical knowledge of mental yeah. health has vastly grown since then. So this was still in a time where um, if a girl has a kind of suicide attempt, we immediately lock her up and keep her hidden away for over a year. And um, that's supposed to fix the problem. So it was a very interesting insight into a time which absolutely petrifies me, the idea that this was life for a lot of people. Um, And I did have to keep reminding myself, I think maybe because I'd seen the film, I had to keep reminding myself that this is a memoir, this is somebody's real life experience, because it's really quite horrifying at times. Um, She writes very openly, very candidly, and really kind of pragmatically about it. She's not, there's not really a lot of like emotional kind of dramatics about it um considering that it's obviously probably one of the most horrific experiences of her life so she yes she was 18 she attempted suicide and having spent 30 minutes probably one um appointment with this doctor he deemed that he knew her and her history well enough to commit her to this mental institution and she was supposed to be there for a few weeks and ended up there for 18 months so this details the um, people that she met while she was in um, that hospital and the treatment that her and her fellow patients um, suffered um, at the hands of the nurses and doctors within the, the system. Um, one of the things that she really is really clear is that as she was there for longer and longer and longer, she maybe was not as severe um or she didn't have such severe issues as a lot of the people that she was on there with so she had almost a um an outsider's opinion or an outsider's view of the treatment that they were receiving so she very quickly starts to realize that these people are not seeming to get better and with that question in mind is why are they 
there why are are the mm. doctors doing what they're supposed to do to help or is this just a place to put people that you don't know what to do with um and to say that this was all happening to her when she was 18 years old and she had that kind of understanding and awareness of it was um yeah. quite interesting to read so she i did a little bit of kind of research into it to see like exactly what situation it was in when she started to write this and she had started writing it as at the same time as writing a fiction novel and realised that this was something that she had to process in order to kind of move forwards with her life and requested her medical records, the files that were kind of... she wouldn't have seen before that point. And some Mm. of them are included within the book, which are really quite interesting, like to be able to see how it's in black and white. Mm. Like... You without the kind of backstory and the understanding of who she is and her actual feelings and thoughts, you can see they've gone very clearly, this is what she's got, this is what has to happen, away she goes. And you don't get the nuance of like who she really was as a person and yeah. and the amount of other people that were in there with her at the same time who have had the same thing happen to them yeah. and they're just put away and not actually helped. Um, and who they would have been if they'd been helped in another way. She became mm. an author who... I mean, her book sold however many millions of copies and was turned into a movie. So she was incredibly successful despite having the mental yeah. health issues that they deemed her to have. Um, wow. It's quite graphic. There is um, obviously mentions of self-harm, suicide, lots of mental health issues. So it's not an easy read, um, yeah. but very interesting. And for anyone who's watched the the film it's really nice to read it from her, in her words. Um, her character was played by Winona Ryder in the movie mm. um, really well, but not the same as reading it in her words. So, sure. yeah, I thought it was it was really, really interesting. Um, nice. I've not seen the movie, but I know of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds intriguing. Yeah, it's it's nice to know that that is not what it's like now. <laughs> I mean, I hope not. I but... mean, it's not. I'm sure it's there's still issues, but um, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely not what it was like then. Um, I think now it's more of a chronic underfund. I mean, not to get political, but <laughs> but here we go. <laughs> on a day where the world and his wife is striking. Yeah. Um, we're recording this on the first of February. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, more chronic underfunding than lack of care and understanding. Um, yeah. But yeah, times are difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And on that note, what is your um, next book called? <laughs> mine is a really cheery book called <laughs> I'm Glad My Mom Died um, by Jeanette McCurdy. This one probably doesn't need much of an introduction because I feel like most of Bookstagram has read this already. Um, but you haven't, have you? So I no. can talk at you about it. I haven't, and I have. I will be honest. I have no idea who this person is. No, yeah, she's not our generation of Nickelodeon. Put it that way. I grew right. up um, with like Saved by the Bell, Sister Sister, like that. Yeah. That was my era. Okay. Uh, so this is definitely a little bit um, later on. Right. Uh, so. She was in a program called iCarly, um, and then she had her own spin-off um, series with Ariana Grande in it as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, she was she was 
big news, basically. Right. But, yeah, I had never heard of her either. Um, however, Charlie had um, heard of her because of how outspoken she is about her mum. So, I don't know. Um, it's basically a book about how awful her mum is. Right. Um, or how awful her mum was. Um, and it was not, again, not particularly... I listened to it because so many people have said it was brilliant to hear it from her own voice um and i loved it i loved her way of uh narrat- narrating it it was very it was very deadpan and i think that kind of helped me to hear the humor in it even right. though it's a pretty bleak tale um but yeah basically she was uh made to go into acting by her mum she very much idolized her mother who when you're reading about it quite clearly was suffering from some sorts of mental illness Mm -hmm. she was not she she was she was not okay right basically um and her upbringing was from from quite a poor background so she felt like she had to earn earn the family money basically um it's a commentary on like child stardom i mean there's so many kids from when we were growing up who went on to have like absolute breakdowns look at your lindsay lowens and your um amanda bynes and yeah all of those same same sort of thing um and i can quite reading this and sort of the in-depth things that happened to her Mm -hmm. and how her mum um was basically the cause of her um multiple eating disorders that she's had throughout her life Mm -hmm. like i i was just like yeah i can i can totally see yeah. why because like you you see um like these kids who are obviously earning loads of money and um on the face of it they can they can have anything that they want and you think like why are they like what have they got to be upset about they're really comfortable um but the way she wrote it all down i completely understand and i could I very much sympathize with with anyone who's had pushy parents um yeah it's amazing it's an amazingly well-written book uh it was difficult to read um but she seemed like she's come out of it in quite a, a balanced way considering yeah i think the thing that i found um two sort of surprising things one that i didn't realize that the the depth that she goes into about her um anorexia and then later on her bulimia like it's in depth so anyone who's right. got like a, a an issue with uh hearing about eating disorders beware right. um and but then also the way that she speaks about her how much she loved her mum and how she 
like I said, idolised mm-hmm. her. And she she had so much love for her mum. And, like, you think from the title, like, from the word go, she's just going to be like, what What are you doing, mum? Yeah. But, yeah, it... it it wasn't that at all like from the, from the reader's perspective it makes you more uncomfortable because you can you can see what's going on is wrong yeah. but little kid Jeanette just wants to please mum yeah which is really like heartbreaking to um to read or to listen to um so yeah it's a really good book I can see why everybody's raving about it and it's not an easy. It's not an easy listen, but it is an important. Um, I think the, the it's it's an impo- important social commentary. That was one of the um, like quotes, just on the what Hollywood mm-hmm. um, and t- the TV and music industry, uh, music and movie industry, what they have to answer for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very interesting and powerful. It's an incredibly brave title as well, especially, I mean, obviously I don't know really anything about it other than, I mean, I know the vague premise, but when you're saying mm-hmm. it's very clear how much she loved her mum, yeah. like, that's a super brave decision to say, I mean, it's worked because I've seen it everywhere. Yeah, I think it's it's an incredibly provocative title. I'm not sure if that would have been her choice. I don't know. It doesn't... Yeah. Um. It it doesn't say that, but yeah, it's but it's basically broke broken up into like portions of before her mum died and mm-hmm. then after her mum died. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a and it it's not like her mum dies and she's like, oh, thank goodness for that. Yeah. There's loads of like yeah processing time after. That. So yeah, um, and she has some like bad sort of relationship oh and they come from um a religious background as well that so that that there's that element too mm-hmm. um yeah it's there's there's a lot in it there's a lot it sounds yeah. very interesting i think i'd need to be in a really good headspace to read it but it sounds i don't like missing out on stuff so yeah. because everybody else is talking about it i feel like i should read it but yeah yeah, approach it with care. Okay. <laughs> well, to round it off, I've got another um, author, person, who needs no introduction. Mm. Um, and a person who is absolutely not pleased that their mum is dead. Um, <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. Which is um, the, the lovely Prince Harry. Um, I feel like this is a bit late to be talking about this, but I read it like, on release day, so yeah. I feel like it has to be mentioned because I'm not going to not talk about it. This is If You've Lived Under a Rock, Spare, <laughs> by Prince Harry. Um, media sensation, like, what what was it, the fastest-selling non-fiction book of all time, mm, yeah. his memoir. Um, probably largely inflated by the horror that is um, a certain Mr. Morgan going on about it and saying how salacious it was and how much gossip there was in it. And I don't actually know that there was that much that we didn't know yeah. or could have read between the lines of. Um, so I bought it, had it delivered on release day, read it on release day, because I was like, I was just, this was it. I was going to finish it on the first day. Um, and it was a 
very well written memoir. It was ghost written, so he didn't sit there with his pen and paper writing it all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you can also see, having watched documentaries and things, it does sound like it's his voice speaking. It doesn't sure. feel like it's someone else speaking for him. Um, and there is a lot of um, pretty raw emotion. I've read a lot of reviews um, saying that it is one of like it's such it's just a sad little boy talking about really horrible things that have happened and things that have shaped who he is as a as a man um and i that was the feeling that i got for a lot of it was just this is so sad and whatever side of the fence you fall on with the royal family and the media and prince harry in particular you i i don't think you could read this and not just feel sorry for this little boy who was I mean like you've said but we touched on with um, Jeanette McCurdy that you think that this is this kid that's got everything and could have everything that they want um and yeah he's a prince so he is the person that could have that yeah but he's wasn't happy as a kid wasn't happy as a young adult and has only recently become happy as an adult um and that was the kind of overwhelming feeling that I got from it was just just a really sad situation um but i think important to have read i always like to feel like i'm getting both sides of the story um and i think what is incredibly clear is that the the power that the royal family has over particularly the british media means that we only ever get one side of the story yeah um and so i would have read it regardless just to get the other side um i think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle Yep. But um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I do think it's it's very strange that it was all over the British newspapers and internet for the first three days that it was out. And then when it became very clear that actually all they were doing was proving him right, <laughs> um, they've stopped talking about it and it's gone very yeah. quiet. So I think there's a lot to be said in that also. Um, yeah, absolutely. Not to upset anybody, because I'm sure that we will by me saying that because there's always people that crawl out of the woodwork and say we're wrong about things but um yeah I think I couldn't have let myself um carry on without having read it so I'm pleased I did um yeah yeah and I think that's the it's the the old saying is there's three sides to every story one person's the others and the truth and I think that's probably a good a good perspective to have when reading it yeah definitely I don't think I'm going to read it, but I appreciate the fact that it's there. <laughs> I mean, you don't need to because everything in it basically was put in the newspapers anyway, just mm. without the the wider context. Yeah. The kind of bullet points and the salacious facts were put in there. And if you've got three brain cells to rub together, you can read between the lines of that, sure. um, which, yeah. I I've think. got three. I've got at least three brain cells. You've definitely got more than three. So I think that's what, uh, like, the big thing was, like, when it's talking about him, um, the the headlines in the newspaper was, Harry says that he's killed 25 people or whatever it was. Mm. Well, of course, he was in the, the British army. <laughs> he yeah. would be a pretty bad soldier if he hadn't defended us in the way that he did. So, like, yeah. like think about it, people. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm um I'm pleased I read it. I'm pleased I've got it on my shelf. Um, cool. But yeah, that's all that we need to say about it. I'm sure everybody knows who he is and what the story is. 
<laughs> Who's Prince Harry? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Here endeth our January uh, load of books. That's um, a pretty good, pretty good start to the year, I think. Yeah. Uh, there's a few that we didn't manage to squeeze in talking about because we thought we'll be here for hours. So maybe we'll squeeze them in somewhere along the line. Yeah, maybe when we have a quiet um, reading month, we'll pepper those yeah. back in. <laughs> Save yeah, them exactly. for a later date. I've, I've not read anything. It's safe to say I've not read anything bad this month. Uh, this Last month. It's now February. Um, so, yeah, good start. Good. I'm feeling good about books. That's lucky. <laughs> handy when you have to read books for a podcast that you make. Cool. All right, then. Um, Our next one's going to be on uh, The Marriage Portrait, isn't it? Yes. Our next featured read, Maggie O'Farrell. So that'll be coming out in a couple of weeks' time. Yep. Looking forward to it. Nice. Okay, then. Well, we'll talk at you later. Uh Uh-huh. Goodbye. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So bad at this. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to Two Girls One Book podcast. If you like what you heard, we would love for you to like, follow, rate, subscribe. In fact, just all all that good stuff, please, would be fantastic. You can also find us on Instagram at Two Girls One Book Pod, so come and follow us over there as well. Happy reading and join us next time.